Hi guys, this is the CFP exam general principles podcast series and I'm Cindy Rickey, a professor at the College for Financial Planning. And once again, I'm really excited to uh, be with you today to share um, some more ideas on how certain CFP topics might be tested. Um, So take a listen, here's some great exam tips and be ready to become better prepared to answer CFP exam questions. In this episode, we're going to unravel personal financial statements and take a look at two important statements that are often part of CFP exam questions or case studies, the personal statement of financial position and the cash flow statement. Now, you'll need to be able to navigate these financial statements and also know how to use the information in each of them to correctly answer exam questions. So let's uh, first take a look at the statement of financial position. Uh, Financial planners really have to have a clear understanding of the client's financial assets and liabilities. The statement of financial position is also known as the uh, net worth statement or the personal net worth statement, um, is a profile of what is owned, those are the assets, what is owed, those are the liabilities, and your client's net worth on any specific date. Net worth is the residual value after the value of the liabilities has been subtracted from the asset values. So in other words, assets minus liabilities equals net worth. Stated another way, assets equal liabilities plus net worth. Now it's common practice to refer to the statement of financial position as a snapshot of a client's financial circumstances due to the frozen in time nature of this statement. And we'll talk about that next. Um, Other statements such as the cash flow statement show a monthly, quarterly, uh, annual, or other time period. As you will recall from studying that um, assets may be separated into three major categories. Um, One, cash and cash equivalents, two invested assets, and the third being personal use assets. How an asset is categorized uh, depends in part on why the asset was acquired and how the client perceives and uses the asset. So with the first category of cash and cash equivalents, or we can call them current assets as well, um, these are low-risk assets that may be readily converted to cash. There are a lot of different assets that can be included in the invested asset um, category. Um, It includes stocks, bonds, mutual funds, gold and other precious metals. Uh, It can include collectibles, uh, fine art. Uh, Also, vested pension benefits would be considered an invested asset. So anything similar to these assets would fall into this second category. And the third category, personal use assets, uh, would include the client's residence, um, his automobiles, boats, uh, any recreational real estate, and personal effects such as furnishings, clothes, jewelry, or anything similar to that. On the statement of financial position, assets are shown at fair market value. You'll see that um, as FMV. Uh, in some uh, statements. Um, This is the price at which a willing and knowledgeable buyer would purchase an asset from a willing and knowledgeable seller. It's also important on the statement of financial position um, that you classify 
assets and liabilities by ownership. Uh, you'll see common abbreviations for property ownership and titling on that statement, um, and commonly for married spouses, S1 might represent um, individual ownership of one named spouse. Um, note that the named spouse uh, actually appears in the statement footnotes. Uh, S2 would be the other spouse, uh, and that would also be indicated who that spouse is in the footnotes. JT is um, a title that represents property held jointly um, with rights of survivorship. Uh, note that the respective joint tenants are usually, but not always, married spouses. Um, if the joint tenants are non-spouses, it should be reflected as such in the footnotes to the statement. So once again, as I said in another podcast, footnotes are extremely important when you are looking at statements. Now, if we hop on over to the right side of the statement of financial position, we'll see liabilities first. Uh, current or short-term liabilities are those due within one year from the statement date, uh, such as a promissory note. Long-term liabilities are those due more than one year from the statement date. Um, note that the outstanding principal balance um, as of the date of the statement equals the liability amount. Um, if the client is delinquent in payments, then the amount overdue, along with accrued interest, should be added to the outstanding principal balance. And the other entry on the right side of the statement of financial position is net worth. This is the difference between assets and liabilities. It fluctuates from statement to statement depending on the financial transactions that take place between the dates of statement preparation. Comparison of net worth values over time can reveal how well the client is doing in achieving his uh, personal financial goals that involve a permanent increase in net worth. Okay, now for a testing application. Um, you should understand how assets, liabilities, and net worth are related because the CFP exam will likely test your understanding of this interrelationship. For example, an exam question may ask how much the principal amount of a client's existing liabilities, typically the client's mortgage obligation, is reduced given a corresponding change in assets and net worth. Before I move on to another uh, testing element, I just want to reiterate how important uh, footnotes are on these statements. Um, pay attention to them. Um, often the information in the footnotes is needed to answer questions correctly. So uh, just be aware that uh, if you don't have the information in the text, say, of a case study, make sure you look at the statement and go down to the footnotes and see if you can find it there. As I said before, the major testing element for statements of financial position is the effects that various transactions have um, to it. So let's look at an example um, of that particular testing element. Let's assume that uh, Benjamin and Abby, a young couple, have a net worth of $100,000 before each of the three transactions that I'm going to now mention. Uh, first, they took out a home equity loan of $12,000 to pay for a trip to South America. Uh, they also paid off their auto loan of $4,000 using funds from the money market deposit account that they own. And they also purchased a friend's collection of old baseball cards for $500 with their personal savings account funds, um, although the baseball cards uh, have no economic value. 
So Benjamin and Abby took out a home equity loan of $12,000 to pay for a trip to South America. They also paid off their auto loan of $4,000 using funds from uh, their money market deposit account. And they purchased a friend's collection of old baseball cards for $500 with their personal savings account funds. And these baseball cards have no economic value. Okay, so the $12,000 home equity loan for the travel to South America actually increases Benjamin and Abby's liabilities and it doesn't affect their assets. Uh, So they've spent the money and they don't have anything basically to show for it. Uh, Paying their credit card balance uh, will reduce the debt by $4,000. However, using the money market deposit account to pay off the debt is also going to reduce assets by $4,000. So the net effect of this transaction on the net worth of the couple is zero. It's called a wash. Uh, Purchasing their friend's baseball cards for $500 with funds from their personal savings account decreases the couple's assets by $500. And because there's no um, economic value, there is no asset to put on the statement. So therefore, after the transactions, Benjamin and Abby's uh, net worth decreases to $87,500. To get that number, you would start off with the $100,000 net worth that they had before the transactions. Uh, And then you would subtract the $12,000 home equity loan for the trip with no corresponding asset to show for it. Uh, You would subtract the $500 Benjamin and Abby paid for the baseball cards. Uh, And again, the asset has no value, so there's no asset uh, uh, that's going to be listed on the statement either. And as we said before, um, paying the credit card balance with the money market deposit account is a wash. So that doesn't have any effect on net worth. Now let's turn to the other important financial statement, the cash flow statement, also referred to as the statement of cash flows. (laughs) Okay, so whereas the statement of financial position shows what a client owns at a given point in time, we've referred to it as a snapshot of sorts, the cash flow statement shows the client's cash receipts and disbursements over a specific period of time, and that can be monthly, quarterly, but most often it's um, over one year. Uh, So the cash flow statement summarizes a client's inflows and outflows of cash and reveals a client's pattern of spending, saving, and investing. So that's good to know. Inflows less outflows equal net cash flow. If net cash flow is a positive number, it's sometimes called a surplus. If the result is negative, some refer to it as a deficit. As you've studied, inflows include gross salaries and wages, uh, interest in dividend income, rental income, any tax refunds, and uh, any other amounts uh, generally received by the client. Outflows are often divided into three categories, uh, savings and investments, fixed outflows, and variable outflows. Fixed outflows are relatively predictable and recurring expenses over which the client doesn't have much control. Uh, Typical fixed outflows include mortgage payments and insurance premiums, for example. Uh, Variable outflows are those over which the client can exercise some degree of control, such as expenditures for food, transportation, clothes, and entertainment. 
Note that when an individual purchases an item with a credit card, no cash outflow has occurred. That is a testing element. So let me just say that again. So when an individual purchases an item with a credit card, no cash outflow has occurred. It's not until a payment is made to the credit card company that cash is considered an outflow. When the credit card purchase is made, there is an additional liability, but that affects the statement of financial position, not the cash flow statement. There are uh, two common testing approaches uh, regarding cash flow statements. The first is relatively straightforward. Um, you may be provided with a list of statement items and be asked uh, which items appear on a cash flow statement. So, uh, for example, a question may look something like this. Um, which of the following are components of the statement of cash flows? Uh, there can be a combination of components for the correct answer. Uh, it could be one answer. Uh, but let's look at uh, four components of financial statements and figure out which ones belong on the statement of cash flows. So the four uh, listed, uh, we'll say they're taxes, variable outflows, net cash flow, and cash and cash equivalents. So which of the following are components on the statement of cash flows, taxes, variable outflows, net cash value, and cash and cash equivalents. Well, this is pretty straightforward. As I said before, the answer here is taxes, variable outflows, and net cash flow. Those are all components of the statement of cash flows. Uh, the odd man out is the cash and cash equivalents, which is a component of the statement of financial position. To make this type of question more difficult, you could be given a cash flow statement with some values that belong on the statement of financial position, and you'd have to identify these errors. Um, I've actually heard of that one time, haven't heard it recently, but it's a kind of uh, interesting uh, testing application. Okay, another uh, testing approach involves providing you with a list of items and their values and you would first have to identify the cash flow statement items, inflows and outflows, and then calculate the net cash outflow. So that's another good uh, way that the CFP board can actually test you on the uh, cash flow statement. Well, I hope this podcast has helped you unravel uh, personal financial statements. As always, if you ever have any questions or need any help, please feel uh, free to reach out to your professors. Uh, this is Cindy Rickey. Remember, keep your focus, stay the course, and keep your eye on the prize.